Hey, Cloudcast community, listen up. Today's show is sponsored by Datadog, a cloud-scale monitoring and analytics platform. Datadog was built to bring clarity to complex dynamic applications, whether they're in the cloud, on-prem, in containers, or wherever you run your applications. With powerful dashboards, seamless integrations, and more than 250 technologies they can monitor, Datadog has you covered. Whether it's AWS, Azure, or Google services, your popular open source projects and products, or web security and APIs, Datadog can help you monitor them and help you collaborate around troubleshooting them and make sure they're running great. Datadog provides deep end-to-end visibility into the health and performance of modern applications. So try it yourself. Get yourself a free 14-day trial. Go to datadoghq.com slash cloudcast. That's datadoghq.com slash cloudcast to try out your free 14-day trial. And if you try it out, let them know your friends at Cloudcast sent you, and they'll send you a great, uh, wonderful, soft, awesome t-shirt with the Datadog logo on it. I wear mine all the time. So once again, that's datadoghq.com slash cloudcast. Thanks for listening, and here comes the show. Cloudcast Media presents, from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina, this is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delb and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome back to the Cloudcast. We are coming to you live from the massive Cloudcast studios in the rain-soaked Raleigh, North Carolina. Aaron, it is the uh, year-end spectacular show. How are you doing, man? Good, good, good. Um, yeah, and not only is it rain-soaked, but um, you know, I was joking with Brian before we hit record here. The massive studios are so massive, I'm recording this one with a sheet over my head. Um, <laughs> I don't know if we ever gave away your secrets, but once upon a time, you moved your office that so there was no... Like nothing to pick up to deaden the sound, and it just sounds like all echoey. And I just did the same. And I went to test my audio before we got on this, and I was like, "All it is is echo, echo, echo." Yeah. So this is what we do for the listeners. That's you right. know, I'm, right. I'm going to be, I'm basically going to be in my own little hot box for the go. next half hour or so. <laughs> exactly, exactly. This is, uh, yeah, this is this is the love that we put in for our for our audience. So, yeah, man, it's our uh, it's our year end sort of wrap up show. Um, you know, this this is one that sometimes runs a little long depending on how. Uh, how much we get to talking about stuff, but um, it's also that sort of week between Christmas and, and uh, New Year's when people kind of catch up on a bunch of stuff. So you are uh, famously uh, famous for you know doing some sort of thing. You know, you you find some new tool. Like, have you done any any wonky technical stuff over the break here that people should know about? Well, uh, you know, anybody who follows me on Twitter knows my my um, joys and rantings of of my uh, Roomba that I actually didn't get for Christmas. Kim, my wife actually got for Christmas. Um, and it's fun because, you know, it, it kind of goes around the house and does everything for you. And that's great. But, um, mine for whatever reasons just seems to beeline under the couch where there's a bunch of extension cords and it gets all hung up and caught up. And it, 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 it seems to be missing the kitchen and really wanting to clean under my sofa, but we're fixing that. <laughs> um, <laughs> and the other thing too, I was just joking. Um, and we need to get Ben on the show, but, um, you know, we, through the serverless, uh, community, Ben, uh, um, Yes, is really well known because he's kind of chief scientist, if you will, for for iRobot, and and we actually met him uh, at the serverless conference in Austin a couple of years ago. Yep. And I just, just was like, I was joking. I'm like, I just kind of say release the Kraken and launch it in the app, and he's like, dude, you got to do it in Alexa. And it turns out if you hook it to Alexa in Easter, you can say, you know, Alexa, tell Roomba to release the Kraken. Oop, I just did it. Now mine's going to go off. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so there you, there you go. go. Nice. It, um, and so anyway, it turns out it was already an Easter egg. So not only was it a, a bad joke, but it wasn't original either. Nice. Nice. 
Yeah, I uh, I think my my two little technical things. I uh, I think I unsubscribed from about a hundred or so mailing lists. Um, I just got sick of getting a zillion emails from Pottery Barn every day or whatever other thing I had <laughs> accidentally signed up for. So that's been good. Uh, and I I installed a like after factory backup camera on my truck, um, which meant I had to like take apart the back tail lights and uh, you know clamp a bunch of wires together and tie things together. And so that's been that was sort of a fun adventure. Uh, only dropped a few f bombs and not having all the right tools. Well, so I have to figure that one out too. So so I have a 16 year old daughter and she's driving, and so you know watch out everyone first of all. But she's been asking for a backup camera. But then I was, I kind of was like in that mode of like, yeah, but if it's an aftermarket one and I don't honestly, I mean, she's a good driver, Yeah. but do I trust her even with the backup camera? Because here I'm going to pay this money for the backup camera and she's probably still going to back up into something. Right, right. Um, and then does she smash the camera and then I'm doubly mad because she backed into something and smashed the camera? I don't know. I'm trying to figure <laughs> that one. Yeah, we'll talk about that one. That way, the one I got so far has been good. Uh, we'll put it in the show notes for anybody who uh, who wants it. I did a little research. So um, yeah, once it got installed, it's worked out good. And uh, I, I would probably recommend it to folks. It's a good sort of price point versus uh, you know hassle of installing. So well, cool, man. Listen, um, you know, the end of year show, we always do a little bit of housekeeping kind of, you know, for people that have listened to the show for a very long time. Um, they both know us for people that are new to the show, which surprisingly this year um, and again last year and this year, uh, it's been up about 20 percent or so. So I think there's probably a lot of people who don't necessarily even know who we are. So this is Brian Gracely uh, over to my left. That's Aaron Delp. Um, we used to do the show a lot together. Uh, life got interesting. Work got interesting. We don't always do the shows together. So um, if you're wondering, you know, why both names are on the show, that's why uh, we do them when we can, where we can, as we can. And it would, it'd be interesting to see from a stat standpoint, because we don't actually track this one. Maybe we need to start how many shows we've actually done together. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 it used to, it would be like, it would be like the reverse of a hockey stick curve. It would be, you know, used to be a lot. Now is not very many. Although, although I know for sure, uh, you win sort of guest host of favorite guest hosts of the year, uh, every year. Cause every show you do ends up being the highest ranked, you know, most listens of the year. So the, the fans the most definitely like you best. You have to be on a few more times next year. <laughs> That's um, pretty funny, actually. Which is which is okay. Um, so, you know, a couple of basic things people always are curious, um, you know, the show was up about uh, 18, 19% this year. So thank you to everybody who listens and tells a friend and, uh, you know, giving us feedback and, and all that sort of stuff. And, and the fact that it keeps growing is, is awesome. Um, thank you to both Acloud Guru and uh, Datadog, who have been sponsors both previously and, and currently on the show. So it's always awesome to have sponsors on the show. And then we are at about uh, about forty seven or forty eight percent of our of our Krispy Kreme number. So for folks that don't know that, that's the donut run. That's the the Krispy Kreme uh, fundraiser challenge that we do for the North Carolina Children's Hospital. People make donations, and, and Aaron and I do the dumb thing of, of running and and eating donuts. So yeah, we're up. We're about twenty two hundred dollars as of today, as out of a about a thirty five hundred dollar goal. So thank you to everybody who makes donations. Yeah, and real quick on that too. So. For, again, for those that maybe are new this year, so I think this year we're going to cross thirty thousand dollars. Yep, yep, we should. Um, you know, if we if we're if we're fortunate this year, and and so hopefully thirty thousand uh, dollars over the last I don't know eight years or so. Again, all the money goes to North Carolina Children's Hospital. Go to the websites in the top right corner. Just click on that. Uh, you know, we don't ask necessarily for anything from the listeners other than, you know, once a year we ask them to support the, this charity uh, for us. And, and in exchange for that, um, again, the race is run two and a half miles, eat a dozen donuts, run two and a half miles back, 
keep it all down. And if you do it in under an hour, you, I'm using air quotes here, win. That's right. Um, and, and we've managed to, you know, we, we've run it every year. Some years we get all the donut downs. Some years we don't make it in an hour. I think we've actually won, I think maybe twice. I think I've won. And yep. again, air quotes on won. Yep. Yep. Um, yep. So, and it's, it's, then you go home and you, you sleep for the afternoon because you're in a sugar coma. That's right. That's right. So, um, so again, yeah, thanks for folks. Uh, if you're curious about donating uh, again, a hundred percent tax free, a hundred percent of the dollars go to the NC children's hospital. If you go to, uh, the cloudcast.net, which is the website, uh, there's a big, um, logo up in the top right corner. Or if you go to our Twitter page, um, in the bio for the Twitter page, it's in the URL. So if you want to donate, we would greatly appreciate it. And the kids would greatly appreciate it as well. So, you know, man, we don't, um, we don't do a lot of predictions anymore. I think we used to do more prediction shows at the end of the year. Um, but we are, for some odd reason, we are pretty good at picking companies that, that either get a lot of funding or get acquired. Um, we, we should have started a hedge fund or, a, you know, an M&A fund <laughs> a long time ago. Um, yes. we, we actually, I think this year went over the 50 Fifty billion dollar mark in in so these are companies that have come on the show and since they've been on our show we've either gotten M and A funding or been acquired over the last what eight years or something like that we went over fifty billion dollars um, part of that is a little askewed this year because uh, Microsoft acquired GitHub for a little over seven billion dollars and uh, IBM acquired Red Hat for thirty almost thirty four billion dollars so a lot of that uh, is up this year um, but uh, yeah so oh, and by the way did you um, did you hear that uh, IBM acquired Red Hat. Yeah, I heard that. I heard. So, so can I tell everyone my story about that real quick? Are you going to, I think first of all, you need to apologize for the listeners because for years you've been saying that Cisco was going to acquire Red Hat. That's and if, true. If they That's were expecting true. good information from yes, us. I was, I was wrong on that one without a doubt. So, so it turns out the day that that happened actually. So uh, again, we don't, we don't maybe talk as much about our, our personal lives as much since we're not on the podcast together as much, but I was actually running the uh, my first full marathon this year is the Marine Corps Marathon in Washington D.C. back in October, and I'm running this marathon, and I, I turn off all the alerts on you know my phone, my watch, everything. So I'm just running, I'm just doing my thing, and then I did well. I, at least I feel like I did well. I mean, and, and you know, you, fin- you, fin- you finished. That was good. I finished. I finished, but it is a long run, and it's you know by the end of it, you're you're getting tired, and you you're starting to hurt, and you know it is what it is, right? And and I get to the finish line, you know, I'm at the, I'm at the, the, the Marines monument in Washington, DC. I've got my finisher medal and I'm checking all my texts and, you know, Twitter and all this other stuff. And, and I get this one from, from, from you. And then from multiple other people, everyone was like, did you see what happened to red hat? And I'm like, no, I've been busy. Um, <laughs> So then I immediately had to go figure out what the heck happened to Red Hat. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So that's how I know exactly what day it was that it they were yep. born. Yep, yep, yep. But uh, yeah, so and, and unfortunately, uh, I cannot talk about it in any way, shape or form because the deal is not closed. And for those that don't know, I, I work my day job is at Red Hat. So I can't talk about it. But you're welcome to speculate and, and talk about it all you want, man. <laughs> <laughs> and I will and I will just say. It's a bummer Cisco didn't buy them because they would have been fun to be be right on that one. Yeah. That's all I'm going to yeah, say. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I will say this. If only we we could have gotten a small percentage of that $50 billion, I know. Uh, that's been on the podcast over the years. I know. So if any, we, if any, we're way undercharging. So if any of our VC friends out there want you know some uh, advisory services, we are happy to provide you know those types of things. But no, I, I look at the acquired the companies that got acquired: Red Hat, Right Scale, uh, CoreOS, GitHub, 
Evident IO, uh, Logly, Cloud Health, VictorOps, and uh, and Bonsai, all companies that had been on the Cloudcast uh, in the past got acquired this year. Uh, Pivotal went IPO this year. Um, and then in terms of funding, so companies to keep an eye on going forward, uh, Swim.ai, uh, Strith Leviathan, uh, Atomist, Kasten, Lightstep, Rubric, HashiCorp got another big round of funding at a billion dollar uh, valuation, and then our friends at uh, A Cloud Guru. So uh, another big year for for funding uh, for VC funding, and uh, and we're lucky to, to talk to a lot of those folks, uh, kind of in their early stages. Yep, absolutely. So. Where do we want to go from here? What do you want to talk about next? We're kind of all over as we tend to do with our end of year shows. What do we, what do we want to talk about next? Yeah, you know, maybe we just talk about some sort of the, some of the big trends that kind of emerged this year. Um, you know, I, I think one of the big ones, um, and we've talked about sort of public cloud and, and where it's gone for a long time. Um, I think this was the year that public cloud really, um, you know, began to, I, I don't want to say got really big, but but the the companies who have been investing in it really uh, heavily, you know, the multi-billion dollar quarter investments, um, you know, the companies that we think of as the big, however many, um, really kind of pulled away from the pack. And we, I think we saw that, um, Gartner who does their magic quadrant every year that, that everybody kind of used to look at. And, um, Amazon has been at the top of for a year. Uh, they narrowed down their list. It used to be like 15, 18 companies. It's now just six companies that are considered large, major public clouds, um, in terms of sort of IaaS, but sort of the foundational thing. And it's AWS, Amazon, I'm sorry, AWS, Azure, Google, um, Alibaba, uh, IBM and Oracle. So it's down to six that, that they consider big enough to be really worth their time in evaluating. Yeah. And it really comes down to, I mean, we kind of all, I, th- I don't think this is a shock to anyone, right? But it also comes down to the basic financials over the years that everyone's always thought of, of, you know what, to play in this space, you have to be in the billions. Yeah, absolutely. And And there's just not a lot of companies that can even think about doing I mean, it goes way back, you know, I'm going to completely date myself here, but way, 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 way back when, when you and I were like, you know, middle school, high school, college, you you used to dial up your local internet service provider. Yep. And then they all, you know, and then you had the big infrastructures and then America Online and all these others came over. You had this, you know, big over time, all the little ones went away and you only had a couple big ones because the finances it takes to play at that level there just aren't a lot of players left. And that's what we had here. We had a complete maturation of this market. Right, right. Yeah, and, and we're, I think we're seeing now, um, you know, the numbers are still a little bit fuzzy. Um, AWS gets broken out pretty pretty cleanly by Amazon. They're roughly a $25 billion a year business, um, which is is crazy. Um, uh, Azure is roughly, um, and again, Azure is not nearly as cleanly broken out by Microsoft, but they're in that 25 to 28 billion dollar a year range um google i think is now a pretty distant third um they're still not broken out at all which lends me to think they're less than a billion dollars a quarter but i don't know that for sure that's just a speculation based on how other companies report but um you know it's you know there, there's definitely you know we're definitely seeing the trend that always seems to happen in technology which is a lot of uh, a lot of consolidation around you know the biggest names um some of the smaller ones fall off especially the ones that can't compete because of scale. And then, um, you know, it's going to be really interesting to watch if, um, you know, any sort of new innovation comes along from somebody, you know, a digital ocean or an Alibaba or somebody else that 
kind of disrupts right now what is kind of a two horse race in terms of kind of the the foundation of of public cloud. Um, yeah. Right now, you know, and we'll talk about Google and, and kind of what's going on with Google a little bit later in the show. But uh, that's I think that's one of the biggest trends that we're seeing is just kind of how big and fast that that some of the ones are, are really growing. No, agreed. And and the other thing I would add to that too was. You know, you you weren't you weren't there for the AWS keynotes this year, but I'm assuming you caught them on the streams or you know after the fact. Um, yep. But but it, you know we've always been kind of watched those whether in person or remote, and it was super interesting to me this year. Like just take the AWS keynotes for instance, how not just that you know how clear all of that was, and and but how much they were trying to distance themselves from everyone else. But at the same time, trying to be super forward looking, they were trying to be both boring infrastructure and, hey, we do AI and ML and satellites and all this other stuff. Right, right. And it's like it was a little bit of like this dual personality thing that happened. And is that something that all of them are going to have to do going forward? Do you have to be boring infrastructure and have the basic services for the, you know, the enterprise and the play it safe people that all they care about is where am I storing stuff and what database am I using? Or do you want the super, super forward-looking, you know, AI machine learning cloud? Yeah, I think I think you're going to need to. Um, you know, I think, and, and I think people always have to remember, like the the stuff that seems super interesting and and you know gets a lot of the whatever con uh, presentations and so forth isn't making a lot of money. The uh, our, our good friends like Matt Ellis over at um, at Cloudability they put out a, a really good state of the cloud report that I'll, I'll publish in the show notes. I think we've talked about it before, but you know they basically call out because they have a really good insight into how people are using the platform because they do cost management. But like you know, still 75, 80% of most of AWS revenue is just still EC2 and EBS and S3 and, uh, and, and, uh, RDS and the database service. So, you know, your most basic services of, you know, network compute storage and database are still the things that are making the most money. Um, you know, and, and there's a really good then breakdown of what the next eight or nine or 10 things are. But, uh, yeah. So, you know, I think you've got to be really good at boring. I think there's a whole, kind of thing that happens where you're then trying to take cost out of boring and become more profitable at boring. Um, I think what we're seeing in the AWS world, and we'll, we'll probably see this evolve in some of the other ones as well, is they're they're trying to make those quote unquote foundational boring services like less human impactful, right? So it'll be the, oh, you don't have to manage your servers anymore. You're, you, know, you don't have to manage your nodes anymore. They just kind of auto scale for you. They auto update the OS for you. And like we're seeing that. We've already seen that on the database side. We'll see that in other things as well. And that'll be the boring side of things. Um, and then the new stuff will, will always sort of surprise us. I mean, it, the, the one stat that jumped out at me that was kind of the most surprising this year, uh, and maybe I should have looked at it in the past, but like at one point I looked in the fall, AWS had 6,600 open job recs. 6,600 open job recs. Um, you know, I mean, you think about like how many, any of the other really big IT vendors have at any given time. Like I think Azure had 2,200 and Google Cloud had like 180 at the time. And you think about, you know, maybe a Cisco or whatever, they might have a few hundred in any given uh, cycle. So there's a different game being played in terms of forward lookingness and, and where they want to be. Yeah, completely agree. And, and, you know, you look at too the, yeah, another stat was the amount of services, you know, at this, at this point, AWS is 150 plus services, um, maybe even 200 at this point, because they announced so many services yep, yep. Um, at reInvent. Um, so it is just amazing to me as well. Like, 
it has gone not it has gone from not just can can somebody be an expert in AWS you can't even do that anymore and right. so now you can't even be a public cloud expert you you have to be a public cloud you know sub <laughs> area expert like I'm the infrastructure expert or I'm the voice expert or you know all of these other things as well yeah i think to your point about the you know the number of services and, and what you know i i actually saw a few people make some comments uh, maybe the day after the, the keynote or a couple of days after the keynote and they had, you know, logged back into their AWS account, you know, and stuff like the managed satellite service and the managed Bitcoin service. And, and people were like, hey, um, can you take those? Can, what's the new service that I can start taking these services I don't use out of my console? Because I just don't have enough space for them anymore. And uh, yeah. so, you know, you, you start to run into second and third order uh, sort of problems uh, when you get that. Well, and so it's funny you mentioned that because <clears throat> I was on a uh, I, I was meeting with with some folks and I was asked to give um, actually some predictions um, before the keynotes. And, and one of the predictions I actually gave was almost like the, you know, the simple dashboard. Yeah. Right. Because everyone knew they were going to announce more stuff. But at what point do you announce the, okay, here's the AWS dashboard for dummies. Here's the, here's the, you know, 20 or 30 services people use the most. Yeah. yeah, yeah or here's, yeah. here's the 20 or 30 your account uses. Right. What's the, what's the, yeah. What's the, uh, what, what it's, you know, what's like, what's the menu that they have at McDonald's now? I just want number one and includes right. the three things that everybody uses. So, yeah. So I think, uh, you know, public cloud, I think again, is probably the, the biggest trend we're seeing in terms of growth and, and that sort of thing. Um, the, the second one that sort of jumped out at me and I think, uh, you know, we, we talked a little about the, uh, IBM acquisition of Red Hat, but, uh, you know, Big open source acquisitions or things tied to open source, um, you know, were probably the second biggest, you know, trend or, or newsmaker you had. Obviously, IBM buying Red Hat, $34 billion. Um, you had Hortonworks and Cloudera merging. So the two sort of big data open source companies, um, you know, kind of got together. Both of them had sort of been public. I think they were both public. Uh, but they basically said, like, hey, we need to consolidate that industry. Uh, you had Microsoft buying GitHub, which, you know, has sort of become the de facto place that people are writing code. Um, so, you know, people are still trying to figure out the open source business model, but, but man, it made for a lot of acquisition dollars this year. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's, it's really interesting to, to me to see what's next here, because I really feel like, you know, all all of the big players kind of got gobbled up this year. So, you know, what is the next wave? Um, and who are the next set of big players? You know, well, one thing we found over the years with this podcast is, is all of these industries are very cyclical of you have all this emerging tech and we kind of talk about and cover these emerging techs and then, and then eventually it keeps getting bigger and keeps getting bigger. And then eventually there's some kind of consolidation, you know, there's some losers that, that yep. just never get funding and go off. There's some that get bought at a fire sale and there's some that do well. What we really saw this year was a lot of the big open source companies all get pulled off the market. So what's next? Right. I, I, and I, I'm, I'm asking that very, you know, honestly, I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I think it, you know, I, I think open source, I think, is going through, uh, you know, they're, they're going through some, I don't want to call it midlife crises, but I think they're going through some midlife learning in terms of, okay, you know, the first 20 something years were very Linux centric. Um, we've seen this huge explosion of things that were infrastructure centric, but we've also seen databases and big data. I mean, I, I think the things you take away from it is, you know, open source has really become sort of the de facto place for innovation in the industry, right? Um, I mean, we're seeing VCs invest in it. We're seeing companies buy it. So that's sort of becoming a default. Um, and, but, but beyond that, I think, you know, the, the next big challenge becomes, 
you know, how do you keep these big communities going and, and be able to monetize them in a way that the innovation keeps happening, but the people that are putting the time and, and effort into it are somehow getting rewarded financially for it or compensated for it. Um, and, and the other side of that is, and, and we're starting to see the beginning of this, and I don't know if this will be a big trend or if this is just a another thing, is we saw a couple of companies, uh, both Redis and Confluent. So Redis, uh, you know, well-known for the Redis database, Redis Labs for the Redis database, and and um, Confluent, who uh, does Apache Kafka, Apache Kafka um, both basically came out and said, hey, look, uh, one, our, our technology is super popular, and two, um, you know, our biggest problem right now is the public cloud providers taking our code, turning it into a managed service, and not paying us a dime, and not contributing any code back. And so they literally went out and changed their licensing model from, you know, the very, very open kind of standard open source licensing models to these new um, new models. And they're basically saying, you're welcome to do all the things that you've always done with open source, unless you're a public cloud provider. And then if you just take our code and just try and sell it as, you know, a managed service without contributing back, you can't do that anymore. And, you know, they've gotten some blowback from the industry and, you know, some supporters in the industry, but... But I think it is, you know, the open source community sort of saying, like, how do we work in the world where, you know, the like like AWS, for example, um, likes to claim they do a lot of open source stuff. And Adrian Cockroft would tell us they do a lot of stuff. But but in reality, they sort of contribute where it only makes sense for them. And uh, it's, you know, it's it's kind of not working very well with the broader open source community. And it's it w- what it means, we'll see. Um, but but that's a really kind of an interesting early data set of data points to start watching for people. Yeah, I mean, it really is the intersection of the two biggest trends, not just from this year, but from since we've been doing this podcast. You know, mm-hmm. ha- what happens when public cloud and op- open source co- collide? Yep. And I don't know that anyone saw this coming, you know, way back when. In the like, you know, the seventies, eighties, <laughs> when a lot of this, you know, the stuff was was necessarily starting to be just an idea, right? And it, the, you know, it's this natural evolution of these markets, and now you're starting to see this intersection and crossover, and everyone is going to have to figure out how they all live together long term. Yep, yep. Um, so you you are you sort of live in, in 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 the in the HCI space the CI space it's funny you know 8 years ago we started this show as sort of a converged infrastructure show um we're now seeing the the HCI market which is kind of the second generation of that explode like what's going on in that space a lot of a lot of record funding for a lot of companies we're seeing some consolidation but we're seeing you know new companies get involved like what's going on in the HCI space from an infrastructure perspective well so it's it's super interesting in that just like anything else it's it is a you know it is a standard of hey everything was there everything was priced at a premium everything was best of breed and then you kind of get this eventual race to commodity i don't want to say race to the bottom i'm going to say race to commodity to where things aren't nearly as differentiated as much you know the the concept of hardware differentiation or differentiation in asics doesn't exist anymore um, and the, even the idea of hardware differentiation really doesn't exist anymore. Everything is software defined. Everything is, you know, runs on industry standard hardware at this point. Everything is, you know, at the end of the day, it is a, maybe almost an intersection of open source and, and many times as well as infrastructure. And what, what you're really seeing now is this removal of friction from infrastructure operations on prem. 
And it doesn't matter if it's if it's running the apps, you know, whether it's older virtualization workloads, if it's newer cloud native workloads, if it's, you know, backup and recovery and data protection, you're seeing this, you know, top to bottom in a in a standard infrastructure stack in a data center. You're just seeing, you know, top to bottom hardware commoditization, which leads to, you know, differentiation on the software side. Yep. Um, yep. And and. You know, it's a really interesting trend and it's really interesting space to be in right now because, you know, like, for instance, way back when, like when we started this podcast, we both were in some way, shape or form involved in converged infrastructure space. For all intents and purposes, I won't say that market is dead, but I will say that that market is on the decline. Yep. I don't think anyone, you know, can dispute that one. And, And it has been displaced by HCI. HCI is the up and coming thing. And it, and why? Because again, it's it's that removal of friction right. from everyone is everyone wants to go faster and be cheaper. Right. Right. Um, yeah. And that's, and that's what the consumers want. Yep. Yeah. They want it simpler. They want it, uh, you know, easier to buy. Uh, the, the other thing that's sort of interesting to me is is I think even the the HCI space. Um, you know, there there was a bunch of innovation in that space. You had you know a bunch of companies that were trying to figure stuff out. The Nutanix of the world and. Uh, Dell and VMware and Rubrik and, uh, you know, Cohesity and, and others and so forth. Um, and now you're starting to see sort of the, the second generation of of what those companies have to do. And you're seeing them go, oh, we're going to we're going to build our own hypervisor or we're going to build our own Kubernetes stack. Or we're going to, you know, we're going to do, you know, a partnership with Azure or AWS. So it's like it, it's not just about the commoditization of hardware, but it's like, oh, now we have to figure out how to be you know, software, where do we provide software value? Do I want that tied to the hardware? Do I not want that tied to the hardware? Um, so I, I think we're seeing kind of the next generation of the decisions the HCI vendors have to make, but then also, you know, the the more complicated thing, which is like, uh, you know, am I selling to infrastructure people and then how much software do they want? Or am I selling to sort of app dev DevOps teams and how much software do they want embedded? And, and those are always, you know, once you get into blurred lines, then it becomes more interesting of like, okay, wh- when do I buy this and which team buys this and who holds the budget for that and who's the decision makers? And so I think the HCI space probably still has a, is going to have a second generation of trying to figure out winners and losers and best architectures and all that stuff. Yeah. And, and really I think that winners and losers is going to be defined by a combination of how do you provide value? There's so many different ways you can provide value. And it is almost a little bit like folks trying to figure out the, the profitable open source model once upon a time Yep. where, you know, let's, let's be honest. Nutanix is the big one out there right now. And Nutanix was the big winner. Well, can people copy Nutanix? And even Nutanix, they very much shifted. It used to be a hardware model. Now it's a software model. Now it's their own hypervisor model. Now it's their own management model. You know, many would say it's a little bit of like the VMware playbook all over again. Right. Of, of get the hypervisor, then get the management plane. Maybe, right? And and how many, how much room is is there in the market for that kind of play all right. over again? Right. And, right. and so I don't even think the model of how the profit is going to be taken out of that industry is defined yet. No, no. I think, I think like I said, I think, like you said, the, the first round winner tend to be Nutanix. A lot of people tried to, to sort of chase after that and catch up and, and some have done well and some have struggled. And, uh, but yeah, now that, now that the sort of hardware profits are working their way out of it, it becomes the, how do you, how do you drive software, you know, software profits? And that's the, the challenge that everybody in the industry is trying to, to deal with right now. Um, 
Let's talk about real quick. We'll talk about kind of the next little layer up in the stack. And then I want to kind of shift gears a little bit. Uh, you know, the next layer in the stack tends to be sort of virtualization containers. Um, in the container world, it's it's basically Kubernetes. You know, it's been two and a half years now. And uh, Kubernetes has sort of won that space. Um, yeah. And I, and we, I have to say this real quick, too. It's been fun to watch you very politically toe the line over the years on the podcast of you didn't want to claim them the winner. Yeah. Um, but it was pretty clear a long time ago. Let's be honest. Yeah. You didn't want to say it, but it was. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, you know, I think, I, I, I think I, we can safely say at this point. Well, and I, and I think the reason I, the reason is because it's, it's still such a small, like I didn't want to claim it to be a winner for, for two reasons. Well, three reasons. One, cause I work in it. I didn't want to jinx it. But, but two, I think it's still a small amount of money. Right. And, and I think, you know, we have to, again, we have to be realistic of like, yes, what's a hot trend versus are people really spending a lot of money on that? And, you know, virtualization still, people spend a lot more money on virtualization. Than they do containers. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, you know, roughly 8,000 people or so at, at KubeCon this year up from 4,500 last year and a thousand the year before, I, I think Kubernetes has kind of won the, you know, the Kubernetes technology or the, the container technology space. Um, you know, it's, it was interesting. Docker had a very, very small booth, which is very weird. I mean, if you think back two years ago, all we were talking about is Docker. Docker is, I don't want to say they've become sort of a, an also ran in the market, but I mean, just the, the brand of Docker has been completely overwhelmed by, by Kubernetes um, in this space. And, and now there are dozens of companies competing for Kubernetes and stuff. So yeah, that, that's, uh, that's been an interesting thing to watch. And, and we'll, we'll see if it's able to sort of break through kind of cross the chasm in terms of mass market adoption versus, you know, kind of the early niche of, you know, people that are like, I need containers for, you know, automation and scale and all that other stuff. Yeah, agreed. Um, let's shift, let's shift stocks, shift uh, gears just a little bit, because we've been talking a lot about kind of what's been happening in tech. Um, you know, l- let's talk about the dollars and cents a little bit. Um, what's been going on in the market as it relates to, to technology in the last year? Well, so I'll be honest with you, the biggest one that I thought was really interesting lately in the public cloud space was a, and you almost had to wait for the other shoe to drop. And it recently did of Thomas Curian leaving Oracle and going over to Google cloud, Diane green out at Google cloud. Um, and then the, the other shoe being then Ellison kind of poo pooing Oracle cloud somewhat, which I, you know, it never really got retracted, but Oracle Cloud is still trying to, you know, go really big. And, and, and you know, good friend of the show, Leo Leong is over there and, and is, you know, beating the drum as hard as he can. And, and I think Oracle Cloud, you know, seemed interesting and still does seem interesting because they have such a huge install base. Like all they have to do is start converting that install base. They don't even have to go after you know, net new customers, right? right? Like I always think like, you know, of, of things like that, like that's just interesting economically, yeah. but the, the combination of Thomas leaving and then Larry Ellison almost like, I won't say putting a nail in the coffin cause I don't think that at all, but I do think like he very firmly signaled, I don't know what's up with Oracle cloud going forward. Yeah. And the flip side of that is like Thomas Curian running Google cloud. That may be a pretty good thing. Hopefully. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think there's, I think there's a lot to unpack in both of those. I, I <laughs> you know, I, I think Oracle is, is, 
you know, the, the interesting thing with Oracle, and we don't talk about it as much, and we, we've got some things in the show notes that kind of get into us. It, you know, Oracle Cloud does relatively well on the SaaS side of things. They've kind of done what Oracle does, which is we're going to buy some of the, you know, the SaaS, the best SaaS applications that people use that are in our, you know, business application space. And and they've done relatively well in, in CRM and ERP and and some other stuff, HR apps, and uh, they don't talk about that so much. They're, they're so they're so engrossed with trying to keep up with Amazon and so forth that yeah, I think they've sort of forgotten that they're they're pretty good at the SaaS part of of that. Um, yeah, we talked a little bit about uh, about you know Curry and going to Google and you know the challenges of of the Google culture and and, and him coming from the Oracle culture. Yeah, that's going to be a big story for 2019. You know, can he figure out how to turn Google into a company that you know Google Cloud into a company that can sell to the enterprise? Right. I mean, that's yeah. that's it. Like that's that's your scorecard for 2019. Did you did you do better at that? Do enterprises trust Google Cloud or do they exit 2019 saying like Yeah, I treat Google Cloud the same way I treat Google. Google Reader. I'm just not sure if they're going to be, you know, successful, and they want me to. They want me to do that stuff. So, um, it was an interesting thing in the market. I mean, the market as a whole. You know, we look at the markets. Um, we're down about 12. percent So that's the S and P, the Dow Jones, and uh, you know, not great for everybody's 401ks and so forth. Um, tech across the board was kind of mixed. Um, you know, last year we talked about tech was was way way up. We had companies that were up 100 percent and 80 percent and um, all sorts of things. I, you know, I think uh, you know VMware was up. 13%. Salesforce was up 18%. Uh, Red Hat was up, but those numbers are a little bit inflated because of the IBM acquisition. Um, but I mean, you know, and Amazon was up 12%, but Apple was down, Microsoft uh, 11%. Um, but, you know, I, I think the big takeaway for me is the really big companies, the ones that have been bellwethers forever. So the Oracles, the IBMs, the SAPs and so forth, they basically tracked the market. They were down. Um, and the you know, I think we're going to have to sort of think about a new set of who are the really big companies. And, and we put some stuff in the show notes about um, SaaS companies. Some people have done some really nice things with, with SaaS companies and looking at the Workdays and Twilio's and, uh, you know, Atlass- Atlassian's and, and those companies. And I, I think we need to maybe spend some more time digging into those companies because those are becoming the new kind of blue chip, uh, you know, standard of, of technology that are you know, at the application level, you know, especially the packaged application level that the IBMs and SAP and Oracles used to be in of the world. Well, and there's always the one we honestly, we've never had anybody on the show, not even in the ecosystem. And that's Salesforce. Right, right. And Salesforce continues to do, they they bought MuleSoft, which is a a $5 billion acquisition. I was thinking about that the other day. I'm like, you know, I I saw it was a yet another really good article on Salesforce and how, how well they're doing. And I was like, huh, that's always been kind of a blind spot for us. And that's just maybe our backgrounds coming out and them never really being an infrastructure company at all. They just never been on our radar and we've never been in those circles. But, but yeah, to your point, like it is going to be the, the, who are the next big ones? We've said this before on the podcast, like, okay, who is the next Oracle, HP, IBM, Dell, you know, EMC, these big, big infrastructure companies that are multi-billion dollar companies. And, and yeah, at this point, it's it's looking like it is going to be, um, you know, AWS. It is going to be Salesforce. It is going to be a different set of companies. And it's that typical like, hey, you know, when we were kids, like it was Xerox. And it was like yeah. some of these other companies were considered the high tech companies at the time. And you always have this natural turnover um, generationally. Um, and that's just what happens and we're, I think we're, we are right now in the very midst of that 
who is the next ones. Yeah. And I, and I think the thing that's going to be interesting to watch, and, and I don't, this is, this is what makes it a little bit tri- trickier is, you know, in the past, the, the industry was so siloed, like, you, you know, Cisco for networking and Oracle for databases and EMC for storage and, you know, Microsoft for OS or Red Hat or something like that. I think we're going to see very blurred companies, right? So, you know, like, like take, take Salesforce, t- Salesforce, you know, uh, CRM company, but then they're buying, um, you know, they bought, um, uh, is it MookSoft? Not MookSoft. Uh, they bought MuleSoft, um, you know, to get into the application integration space. And they made a big investment in, in Docker here recently to sort of get in the infrastructure space. So it's like, that's a blurred lined company, right? Like they're, they're in everywhere, right? They're a portfolio company. You know, you take, um, you know, you take somebody like GitHub who just got acquired by Microsoft, but then just made a huge announcement, um, as well as GitLabs, uh, you know, sort of the CI, CD code companies. And they're like, hey, we're now offering basically serverless functions that you can, you know, integrate right on our platform with your code. And it's like, boy, that takes a lot of the middlemen out of a lot of infrastructure things um, for what's going on there. So yeah, completely. Absolutely. Yeah. So you know, I think the other the other thing from a from a you know where the market went perspective, um, you know between Bitcoin and uh, and blockchain, boy, uh, you know I, I feel like everybody and their brother got out of Bitcoin because the market just collapsed. Now I don't know if that means it'll come back because I don't follow it. Um, and and there were more articles written in the last quarter about. Hey, blockchain, it doesn't solve any problems. Like what problems does it solve? It doesn't solve any problems. They keep saying it's going to solve problems. Like between the two of those, they need a new PR agency. They need something because right now the market basically just get completely gave up on Bitcoin and blockchain, like simultaneously overnight, everything just crapped the bed. Well, no, agree. First of all, agree completely, but I'm going to actually, uh, I'm, you probably know more about it. So I'm going to open-ended question and, and let you answer it too. I almost feel like they're a little bit like software defined networking was at least for the masses of it. I felt like we, you know, we heard about it, heard about it and we talked about it and it was on all the podcasts and we took, you know, we, we talked to a bunch of folks about it. And then honestly, at the end of the day, not only did I never see a lot of mainstream adoption of it, I never even saw like a bunch of funding rounds and the usual, you know, things we see of funding rounds and exits and all of that. It all just kind of just went away. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, and, and don't get me wrong. I know it's being used. I know people are out there using it, but I feel like it's, it's niche Um, and I I, I know you followed that market more closely. So what's your thoughts on it? Because I completely agree. Like blockchain almost seems like a a solution looking for a problem. to solve. I I've tried to pay attention to it because I'm like, okay, forget about the, the Bitcoin piece of it. Let's look at the, and, and every time I, I follow people that, that are really smart about it, um, you know, they're, they're, they're coming back around to going, you know, Maybe I can just do this with a database. Maybe I can just do this with a database. Maybe I don't need something that's as distributed. And and I'm sure there are some applications that are that are used. I know there's some food tracking things that are being used. And um, but you know, I, I think the speculation that there is going to be this sort of universal, non-centrally controlled, you know, thing just I think it the combination of both. The, the politics and the organization of doing something like that, um, which, you know, maybe the Internet is a good example of it or whatever, um, you know, and just the, the technology use case is just they're just not in alignment. And, and this just may very well be one of these things where it's like, you know, it was 10 years ahead of its time and it needs a whole other level of, you know, c- computation to be cheaper or people to just, you know, trust distributed systems more or something. But 
Um, yeah, I and mean, this this felt like the year that people just said, nope, not buying into it, not believing it. And, uh, you know, we go back to the drawing board and, uh, and, you know, and again, we've talked to some people that do like AI and, and ML and so forth. And they're like, yeah, there was a AI and ML winter, you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, when everybody gave up on the technology, you know, and, and now those things are becoming more mainstream AI and ML and, and people kind of trust them. And, um, you know, they feel like the technology works. So it may just be as simple as that, or it may just be, you know, it just it wasn't a thing, you know, it just, yeah. uh, it happens. Exactly. In the startup world, we, you know, there's always the the, uh, the concept of product fit, right? Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes you'll 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 have an idea and you'll go through the initial funding round, and the whole idea before behind an angel round or a seed round and a round is go find product fit, and you certainly want it by B round. If you don't have good product fit by B round, you're done. Yep. And and it almost feels like that. We just never got product fit in the category. Yeah. And if you're a blockchain guru or, or know of somebody, please bring them on the show. We'd love to get educated. But, uh, you know, right now we're we're kind of going, yeah, <laughs> take it off our list of things to focus on. So um, the, other, the other thing I think that, that'll be wa- worth watching for people in 2019 is, you know, we've already, you know, this is an economic thing. We've already seen a couple of, of small interest rate bumps, at least here in the United States. Obviously, the U.S. economy affects a lot of things. Um, the Fed is already projecting two, maybe three more rate hikes. I can't remember how many that is. And those are usually like a quarter of a point each. So, you know, you start getting into four or five rate hikes, that's, you know, a point and a half, almost two points of, of, of interest rate hikes that messes up all sorts of VC calculations and so forth. So, you know, when that, when those things start happening is when we start seeing very different, very rapidly changing out of VC worlds and, you know, funding rounds and not funding rounds and companies that you thought, oh, they weren't acquirable now become, you know, available and so forth. So always a macro level thing for people to keep in the back of their mind as to what might influence the markets and acquisitions and and other things like that. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I really think what will happen is we really did uh, go through kind of a heyday of infrastructure funding or just VC funding in general. But you're you're gonna start to see smaller funding and quicker exits. Yep, yep, yeah. You have you're, to. You're not gonna see this, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars and build up the billion dollar unicorns and take five to seven years to get to exit. You're gonna see more of, you know, tens of millions of dollars in funding and hundreds of million dollars in exits, and on a much quicker timeline. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, and I think that becomes the byproduct of, you know, there, there aren't going to be a lot of companies that try and start a hardware business, right? I mean, we're sort of end of that cycle of trying to start a hardware business. Um, so, you know, if things are software, uh, you know, the, the cycles can go much faster. Like you said, you figure out product fit per much quicker. Um, you know, enterprise companies will take a little bit longer, but, uh, yeah, if, especially if the interest rates and, and money gets tighter or money gets, you know, just different, um, then, then things change. Hey, yep. um, so I think we're, we're kind of getting towards the end. Um, any, any last minute areas that were really interesting to you or, or focus areas that, that you expect to be looking at for 2019? Yeah. Um, so the one that's super interesting to me, um, and actually, uh, goes back to, I, again, I was at, uh, reInvent, uh, this year and, and reInvent, you know, and that's a whole other show in itself of how crazy it was. But, but whenever I wasn't doing the day job, um, my actual focus actually this year was on the the voice first Alexa kind of space, right? I actually went to a couple of the sessions. I watched a couple of the sessions on replay, and it is amazing to me 
to see how serious they are in that space compared to the others that are, that are out there and just the voice first and all the Alexa stuff going on and Google home and Cortana and Siri and all these others. Right. But, but I find it a super, super fascinating space and it's a super fascinating space where you're starting to see monetization of it. You're starting to see small companies forming. You're, you, we haven't reached the point of VC funding in it, but I actually think that that's probably one of the next steps. Yeah. Um, so for me, the voice area is super interesting. But yeah. Um, you know, I, I think a couple of things, um, you know, I think it's going to be interesting to watch. You know, we we always continue to watch the companies that that build standalone technologies that can be run anywhere. You know, sort of the multi-cloud type of thing um, versus you know the like you said the breadth of native services that end up on one of the public clouds, so an Azure, an AWS, a Google, or whatever. Um, you know, it's going to be very interesting to see how much customers um, you know, want to use the native services, which tend to be sometimes a little more expensive um, you know, because somebody else manages it for you or less feature-rich, uh, but they're native, right? They're just sort of built into your, you know, you can get them just natively built or uh, you know, how much they continue to be like, hey, I want to be multi-cloud. I don't want to be tied to a single cloud. Um, I want to use software that I can you know, run uh, on any cloud environment. Like, I think that's going to be a big trend to sort of watch in terms of, you know, companies that succeed and companies that struggle and, and does this create new partnership models between, you know, software companies in the public cloud and so forth. I think that's going to be very interesting. Um, you know, and then I, I think uh, for me, you know, continuing to figure out, you know, what, what is MI, MI, AI and ML possible? What, what's, what are they capable of doing? Um, you know, how does that get embedded in the things we do day to day? How does that get embedded in technology? Um, those are very, very interesting to, uh, to me in terms of, you know, things that beyond just the day to day stuff that we do. Agreed. And one last one, I'm just going to mention it. I won't even really talk too much about it, but the not, not IOT per se, but the infrastructure that runs IOT. So the, the, the kind of the guts and the backends to all of that, because it requires a, a completely different set of technologies to run all of that. And me just kind of, it scratches the infrastructure itch yeah. for me. Yeah. Um, so that's definitely an area I'd, I want to look into more. Uh, yep. this year as well. Yep. Yep. So just a little bit of housekeeping to finish up the show. As always, folks, um, you know, we, we mentioned at the beginning, if you get a chance to make a donation to help the kids at NC Children's Hospital, um, you know, top of the, the cloudcast.net homepage or, or off our Twitter page bio, you can get to that. Um, what you're going to see from us for the first basically month of this year or first few shows for this year, uh, we're not doing predictions, but we're going to go out and reach out to some folks that cover some very specific spaces, DevOps, serverless, cloud native apps, um, infrastructure, AI, ML, and we're going to sit down with those folks and just be like, what, you know, what do you think the world's going to look like in, in 2019 and, and hit on those topics? So expect to see those shows very soon uh, at the early part of 2019. And then we will kind of get back to the normal, um, you know, interesting founders, interesting technology interviews and, and a bunch of other things that we kind of have in mind. So folks, we can't thank you enough for listening to the show uh, week after week. Um, you know, we love putting it out for you. Uh, but, you know, you continue to come back, you continue to tell a friend, the show continues to grow. We can't thank you enough for for listening first and foremost giving us some of your time and learning with us but uh, telling a friend giving us feedback trying to make the show better and uh, we hope we can keep doing that for you in 2019 and um, Aaron any last thoughts no, I think you really covered them all. I, again, the only thing I can say is, again, thank you to everyone. Um, it has been an amazing run. It is coming up on on eight years uh, almost of the podcast. And so it has been fun to to 
keep learning and keep growing with everyone that's out there. And, and again, keep those suggestions coming in. Thank yeah. you very much. Absolutely. So for Aaron and myself, folks, thanks as always for listening this week. And we will talk to you both next week and next year. Thank you for listening to The Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows, show notes, videos, and everything social media. 